Father, thank you so much for your presence, your ministry among us by your spirit. Father, we are here today for one purpose again. To meet with you, to know you, to experience you, to hear from you, to receive, to walk in that which you give us. And Father, thank you so much for absolutely always being so faithful. In spite of the kind of week that we had, Father, thank you for always being so faithful to care for us, to lead us, to protect us, to correct us. Father, to do everything and anything in us by your Spirit that we need from you. So that on that day, you may be well pleased in the work, not that we have done, but in the work that your Spirit has done in us and with us as we have cooperated with you and walk with you. So, Father, speak again this morning, minister again this morning, as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> well, you remember the last time we were together, we began to look at Paul's description of biblical repentance. And I'll reiterate, and I don't know whether I'll get through the material this morning or not, but I'll reiterate this. Repentance is obvious for those who have not been saved. Everybody knows that. They need to repent of sin and turn toward Christ. Acts, what, 2021, repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's something about becoming a believer. We have received faith by grace, correct? It's a gift. Remember Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And now that we have faith, now that we have residential in us the Holy Spirit, who is now the living grace of God in me. Let's not think of grace as a thing. Let's think of grace as a person. Amen? We're too, we have to be careful how we think of these things. Grace is a person. It is the person of the Holy Spirit who has taken the ministry and the work of the person of Christ in our redemption according to the purpose of the person of God the Father. And so we have in us the Trinity being expressed and being experienced by the Holy Spirit. But there is something about that that sometimes registers in our mind that when we sin... We don't think of it the same way as we do someone not coming to Christ. And it is a different issue as far as destiny is concerned. And so what we need to make sure is that the same necessary need for the grace of repentance, remember God may grant them repentance, is needed in us as believers on a continual basis so that we can faithfully receive the power of God in overcoming and cleansing us of this activity of sin 
that he has already forgiven us at the cross. Amen. And so Paul says in 2 Corinthians 7, 11, and how does he start it? He starts it this way. Godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation. Now, my mind says, I want to get right into this, but I have a check in my spirit about this. And, and I, I just have to say what I believe I'm led to say. Without godly grief or sorrow about whatever it is, whatever sin issue it is, without godly grief, you and I will not experience nor walk in the power and in the good of the kind and the power of repentance that we need to receive from the Holy Spirit in order to overcome the sin for the next time. Did you just hear? I said it slowly, so if you're taking notes. And I want to make sure you get this. If I don't say anything else today, I believe the Holy Spirit has put it in my heart to say this. This is the central issue. Godly grief over our sin produces a repentance that leads to what? Salvation. Now, the word salvation there doesn't mean just to be saved. It means to walk in the good of the salvation because Paul is talking to the church. And he's talking about repenting of the sin. Now, since godly grief is so essential, how is it produced in us? Godly grief in us is the direct result of our knowing and experiencing and walking daily with the Holy Spirit in a vibrant, intimate fellowship day by day. The more deeply we know and experience, I'm telling you this word experience is so underrated in the church. The more deeply we know And the word gnosko means something known through experience. The more deeply we know and experience the Holy Spirit, the more deeply we will be affected by any sin. Because any and every sin has to do with repudiating or grieving the Holy Spirit. And I believe, I think I'd be correct in saying this. I believe the reason we, generally speaking, are not experiencing the kind of depth of sorrow for sin, which produces a life of gradually and regularly 
overcoming the issues of sin rather than a life that is bogged down with the same sin over and over and over and over and over and over again, never experiencing victory over that sin. I believe at the heart of the issue is this, not that we don't Not that we're not saved, not that we don't read our Bibles, not that we don't trust God, but our personal fellowship with God the Father through the Holy Spirit is deficient. And we haven't understood that, nor have we made it the priority of our life in Christ. Phil, would you agree with that? The priority of our life in Christ is what? Fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Because you cannot please God and obey God and know God and witness and whatever apart from this fellowship. So let me encourage you this way. Jack Deere was in town last week. I think it was an incredibly wonderful appointment by God for us as a church. But we have to be careful. And Jack Deere was not saying this, but this is what we might pick up. What we need is to be a church that functions in the gifts of the Spirit. Now, do I believe that? Am I a cessationist or continuationist? In other words, do I believe in the the presence and power and the gifting and the work of the Holy Spirit has ceased? Or do you think I believe he still is as vibrant today as he ever has been? Well, of course he hasn't ceased. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. So he hasn't ceased. But if we're not careful we will begin to make the emphasis on the giftings. On the giftings. Do we want to see the giftings of the Holy Spirit? Yes. Without any equivocation, we want to see them proliferate among us. But you see, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I believe, are the result of A life that is daily lived in personal, vibrant communication and conversation and communion with God, the Holy Spirit. So let me encourage you this way. Don't make the emphasis, Lord, I want to be using this gift, that gift, that gift. I want to be using any and every gift, totally, absolutely, right? But more fundamental is this. I want my daily thoughts to be identified as from the Holy Spirit when they are. And I'm not doing that, or we're not doing that if we're not careful. I want to recognize That the promptings that come into my mind, do this, do that, don't do that, go here, don't go there, say that, are not the products of my natural thinking, but are the 
soft whisperings of a loving God by His Spirit into my mind. Amen? So, I hear someone say, you know, I decided the other day to do this and that. We're talking about godly things. We're not talking about ungodly things, correct? So, make sure they get the context here. I decided to say something to someone. Now, is that correct? Yes. But is it the essence of accuracy? Or is it more correct to say, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and directed me to whatever. So you see, our conversations are so much on the level of I, my, me. Regularly, either as we express it among ourselves or consider these conversations within ourselves. And we are taking credit for what God the Holy Spirit is doing. And because of that, we are not allowing the Holy Spirit to develop in us a vibrant, daily, personal, conversational lifestyle with God. How many, this has happened, excuse me, this has happened to you. How many of this has happened? You're going somewhere, and the thought says, go that way, but you ignore it and you go this way. And you realize, I should have gone that way. Come on, anybody ever do that? Where did the thought come from? You see, we're not identifying the voice of the Holy Spirit, the move of the Holy Spirit in our lives on an intimate, daily, moment-by-moment, hour-by-hour basis. We're relegating the Holy Spirit to a second-class person in our life, elevating ourselves and our own thoughts and our own capacities and our own intellect and our own experiences over that of God and say, well, you know, God gave me a natural mind, so I'm supposed to use it. No, I am not supposed to use my mind, my natural mind. My mind now has been imbued by the Holy Spirit, has been sanctified, and now my mind is to be given over to the mind of Christ so that I hear his mind operating and functioning in me by his spirit. Amen? Amen? That's what that's all about. You don't want to hear from Peter Davidson on a natural basis. Who gives a good something about what this man thinks and says? Nothing in me. Paul says, wretched body, body of sin. And so as we begin, this is just the introduction, Chris. We haven't gotten into the class yet. This is the first one sentence of my notes. And you don't even have to pay for it this morning. But look. I believe, and I think Phil and, and Frank are elders in this room. I, I don't think I'm stepping out of line to say this. I believe the Holy Spirit, last weekend and moving forward, is giving this church a mandate. Phil, you believe that? Frank, a mandate. Not, won't you please help me? Won't you please talk to me? A mandate. I believe we're at a crossroads. And I believe everyone in this room is a crossroad. Everybody in the church. But I'm not speaking to the church. Y'all are here. They're not. The rest of them not. And here's the mandate. I want you as my people to begin to live 
in a way of personal, intimate relationship and fellowship and communion and conversation with me that you have never experienced before. And I want you to begin to make this a priority in your daily living. And that's going to take, for some, a tweaking of our conversation. So when we say, God did this and the Lord did that, I'm for that. But the problem is, when the Bible talks about, especially in the New Testament, God doing things and the Lord doing things, you take the Apostle Paul, for instance, 80% of the time he's identifying the person of the Holy Spirit as the member of the Trinity who is doing it specifically as God in us. Correct? So we have to begin to identify and actually make more real to me and in me the person of God's Holy Spirit. And when that begins to happen, and I challenge you to do that, to begin to do that in the morning. Heavenly Father, would you cause me by your Spirit to begin to identify your voice as from the Holy Spirit. These experiences, these thoughts, these whatevers as you're leading me, would you identify them as the work of your Spirit? There was a man in the covenant group years ago. How many of you remember Herb Wokus? A lovely old man. And he was, I don't remember what we were talking about, but he was lamenting the fact that God never speaks to him. He was a believer, Janine, 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 yeah, Janine, Co. He's a believer, Dave. And I said, well, Herb, have you ever had a thought to come across your mind about a particular thing in relation to God and what to do? Well, yeah. And I just asked him a simple question. What was it? Who is that? And Phil, he sat there, and all of a sudden... This man started glowing. Could it be the Holy Spirit? I said, Satan doesn't speak like that. It's like, God is speaking to me. So when you have thoughts, we're talking about within the context of godliness. When you have directions, when you have impressions, identify it as from God, the Holy Spirit. And walk in it and be thankful to God by his spirit that he is doing this. This is what it means to be a charismatic church. Functioning in the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then functioning as we know him more personally on a regular, daily, and more deep level. We will find that we will be used more regularly and more powerfully in the various gifts of the Spirit. Are you with me on this? This, I believe, is at the heart of why we are not experiencing the kind of gift of the Holy Spirit called godly grief when we repent. For the most part, we just kind of slough it off and move along. And that's why we're being kept immature in Christ. That's just the introduction. I wasn't planning to say that, but more and more this morning, it kind of got bigger and bigger in me, and I said, okay, I'm going to do it. So let's go through what we have in the notes. 
And I pray that, first of all, that was from the Holy Spirit. I do believe it was. And I also... Yeah, give God a hand. And I also hope that this begins to cause us to think and to perceive and discern and decide and to act differently by the Spirit. Amen? This is what we were born to do, born again to do. This is intimacy and fellowship with God by His Spirit. So this grief is the work of the Holy Spirit as a result of convicting us of sin. And so without this, without this grief, our repentance will be shallow. And the result of shallow repentance produces shallow ability to overcome and to withstand temptation. So let's talk about experiencing godly grief in 2 Corinthians 2.11. Sorry, 2 Corinthians 7.11. The apostle gives us seven experiences. Do you notice Paul is an experiential teacher? People who say, well, you know, we're not supposed to emphasize experiences. Are you kidding? How many of you wives, how many of you wives in here want to experience your husband's love? How many of you do? Come on, raise your hand if you do. Carrie, you didn't raise your hand. (laughs) How many of you husbands want to experience your wives? Right? Right? Why? Because you see, the reality and the experience must go together to make it the total package, correct? So we have the Word of God which gives us the information and we have the Holy Spirit who produces and reproduces in us the very Word and truth of God creating the experience of knowing God in me. Thank you. Whoever said that, thank you. Kevin, that was you. What did you do? I know that voice wasn't God, so I don't know who it was. And the interesting thing is, you see, Donnie Bourgeois believes in confession of sin. So when it happened, Donnie went this way. He was confessing at Kevin's sin. <laughs> Lord, I confess, Kevin did it. There's seven attributes or seven aspects or effects of, and it's extremely important that we look at these, uh, not go through them too quickly, but not too detailed. That's what I say, but we never know what's going to happen around here. So first of all, do you see, do you have the verse there? Do you have it in front of you there? And then it's outlined. Paul starts with what? Earnestness. You've sinned. The Holy Spirit convicts. First of all, you cannot repent of sin unless you've been convicted of sin. You can stop saying, Lord, whatever I did today, whatever sins I did today, I just, you can forget that. You can just forget it. When God is ready for you to deal with the sin, he will convict you of that sin. Correct? Right? So you don't have to worry about, did I repent enough? Did I confess enough? The Holy Spirit is very good to let us know what's going on. 
So let's trust him and let's not be burdened by something the enemy wants to put on us because it's self-centered. Let's make sure it's God-centered as he tells us. We don't have to search it out. We just have to listen to the Holy Spirit. Thanks for coming that long anyway. I'm just saying goodbye to Jordan. Eagerness, earnestness. What earnestness? Paul starts off with earnestness. This word has to do with our seeing and assessing our sin as God sees and assesses it. Very, very important. We must see and assess any and every sin from God's perspective, primarily, secondarily, and throughout, and make the aspect of that sin as to us a minor issue. The major issue is how is my sin affecting my God? What is it saying about God? Has, have some of you begun to think differently about your sin in the last several weeks as we've been going through this? Have any of you begun to say, yeah, I hadn't realized or hadn't thought about how much my sin is about God and not about me. It's about God. It's a huge thing. No God, godly sorrow unless God is the center of the issue. The Spirit produces this eager earnestness. Do you see it? The Spirit produces the earnestness in us, giving us the ability to present ourselves to God for his cleansing work. So all of a sudden, this earnestness, <gasps> I've sinned, and all of a sudden, <gasps> I realize, oh, my word, what have I done? Not am I going to get in trouble when I be caught. Those are secondary issues. What have I done in relation to my fellowship with my heavenly Father? What have I done? That's the first issue. And from that issue flow the others. Eagerness. Once I realize, what have I done in relation to God? Then an eagerness begins to be produced. An eagerness that recognizes that our sin has created a barrier to our fellowship with God. Therefore, what? We are eager. We are eager to have that fellowship restored. We're eager to have it restored. Again, as believers, we think. First of all, we don't think this. This is true. We have been forgiven of all of our sin. Is that correct? Somebody at least give me one verse that says something about cleanse, forgiven of all sin. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from almost all righteousness. So that would be all. What's another verse? You see, if you don't know this, the enemy has you. Romans 8, 1, what does that say? There is therefore... Now, no what? No condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Remember 1 John 1, 7. For the blood of Jesus, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Colossians 1, 13. Having forgiven us. Sorry, 2, 13. Having forgiven us all trespasses. But when we sin, we think, therefore, that I can sin, but my fellowship with God is still maintained. My relationship with God is maintained in Christ. 
But my fellowship has the ability to have sin damage that intimate, face-to-face, continual fellowship with my Heavenly Father, don't you see? Amen? When your child does something wrong, he still or she still remains relation to you as a child as a child to a parent, but then there is a fellowship or a working out of this relationship which is strained or damaged or in some way hurt. Are you with me on this? And so when I sin and I realize I sinned against God, then the second thing is I have potentially begun to damage my fellowship. Did you notice I said potentially? Because when I sin, that doesn't damage the fellowship. What damages the fellowship is what happens after I sin. If I sin and repent biblically, the fellowship is maintained, don't you see? So the sin isn't the issue necessarily because we are sown in bodies of sin. It's what do we do about the sin? Do we explain it? Do we bemoan it? Do we say, oh God, I'm just not, forget all that. Father, I have sinned. Thank you for forgiving me in Christ and cleanse me by your Holy Spirit. Amen. And give me the repenting grace, ability, and power by your Spirit to be overcoming this sin. You have to deal with it. Eagerness allows us to bring correction to ourselves, to judge ourselves. 1 Corinthians eleven thirty one and 32. If we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. What do you mean to judge yourself? What do you mean to judge yourself? When we sin, we have to agree with God's judgment, assessment, evaluation, that what we have done is what? Sin. Correct? Don't call it by other things. Call sin what? Sin. Please don't say I made a mistake. Say, I sinned. Let's get rid of some of this Satan, wishy-washy. What word do I want? Diminishing of the effect of sin terminology. It's sin. And I've talked to many people, and every once in a while they'll say something, and, they'll say, and I'm in a meeting, and I've done it probably to some of y'all, and they say something, and I say, what? And I say, what? Whatever. And finally, sometimes they'll say, what are you trying to say? I said, exactly what does the Bible call what you did? Sin? The question is what? Sin? I don't want to hear all that other tripe. I want to hear what God calls it, because I, I can only repent of sin. Amen? Amen? I don't know if I can repent of mistakes. Maybe I can. But I know I can repent of sin. And so we judge it. We say it was wrong. And when we judge it, I believe it doesn't appear before the judgment seat of Christ. (gasps) Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What you just said was very upsetting to me because I thought every one of us were fully, finally, and forever forgiven of every sin which you have said a thousand times if you said it once. Julio, that's correct. 
But there's a difference between being forgiven of sin and having the Holy Spirit, or God, Jesus himself, coming before the Bema seat of Christ and being judged for the deeds done in the body, whether good or evil. What verse did I just quote? 2 Corinthians 5, 10. Great. There you go. I knew you had it. I knew you had it. I knew you had it. I don't want the sins that I knowingly commit. You notice I can't repent of sins I don't know about right now. I don't want the sins that I knowingly commit. Go to that judgment seat. Do you? How many of you want your sins that you knowingly commit? Go before that judgment seat. So what do we do about it? Well, we've been forgiven. Yes, we're forgiven. It's not a matter of forgiveness. It's a matter of evaluation and assessment as to our standing and usefulness and gifting in the new kingdom of, in the new heaven and the new earth. That's what that's about. When I sin today and I say, Father, that was sin and I deal with it in a biblical repentance manner, I believe that sin, Ronnie, does not go before that judgment seat. And my God, I don't want all the things that I've ever done knowingly going before that seat. I believe that's what he's talking about here. Judge yourself today and you won't be judged then. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 10. For we must all appear before the what? Judgment seat of Christ, the Bema. And receive the, I've forgotten the next part of the, the, the deeds done in the body, whether good or evil. So this is a judgment that we, in agreement with the Spirit's conviction, bring against our sin that agrees with the disciplining ministry of the Holy Spirit. Remember Hebrews 12. 6 through 11, whom the Lord loveth what? He disciplines. And the result of discipline in verse 11 is what? The peaceable fruit of righteousness. He didn't say we become righteous. We are in Christ righteous, correct? So he didn't say you will be made righteous, but it is a peaceable fruit or the result of God declaring us as righteous in his son. I don't lose my righteousness in Christ when I sin, but I lose the fruit of it or the good of it or the power of it or the activity of it or all the benefits of it. Or at least, you know, that can begin to happen. Are you with me on this? So make sure we get it correct, what we're saying here. So we don't lose my righteousness in Christ. I don't lose my standing in Christ. It's the fruit of that standing. That is in jeopardy. And what is the primary fruit of that standing? It's my experiencing the love of my Heavenly Father by His Spirit. Because the fruit of the Spirit is love. Galatians 5.22 That's what Satan wants to touch when we are tempted to sin. He wants to touch that most vital essence of our relationship and fellowship with God the Father that he produces in us 
purchased at the cross and given by the Spirit. It's this love of God. This love that the Father has bestowed upon us that we, we should be called what? The children of God. Remember 1 John 3, 1. This is the essence of what God is, sorry, Satan is wanting to touch. And the greater we understand and function and experience and walk in that love, and as God is developing in us his love, not improving our love, but replacing our love with his love. And the more we are experiencing that, when we sin, that love is touched in some category or another. And that's the thing that makes personally Peter Davidson the most feared of any sin activity is that it's going to touch something of my fellowship with my God by his spirit. I am more afraid of that than I think anything else. Well, can one sin do that? If I deal with it rightly, it will not. But one sin, undealt with correctly, will lead to a second sin, which will lead to... So when you let that little vine grow in your yard and you don't tend to it, it will become a very thick, big vine, correct? And it will take a whole lot of stuff to uproot that thing. But in the beginning, if you deal with it, you can pluck it out of the ground very easily. Isn't that correct? As you keep the ground watered by the Word of God and in prayer. And we identify these vines which Satan in our flesh desires to grow in us to choke off the experience of the love of God. Did you notice I didn't say choke off God's love for me? Did you notice how I said that? Choking off what? The experience of the love of God. Make sure we get it correct. The standing in Christ is solid in Christ, but the working of it or the experiencing of it or the fruit of it is the result of my daily walk in Christ being led by the Spirit. For all those who are led by the Spirit or the children of God. Somebody said that in Romans somewhere. You see, this self-judgment, and I'll end with this. If you judge yourselves, you will not be judged. So I sin. What kind of sin? It doesn't matter. The moment that sin hits me and I realize what it is, my first thought, and I encourage you to begin to ask the Holy Spirit to develop this as your first thought, that sin has the potential of touching my experience of the love of my God. Amen? Amen. And I don't want it to touch that. I can't afford to, to have the love of God, my experience of the love of God, diminished in me. I am ever in increasing, increasingly aware of my need for the increasing of the love of God in me, not a decreasing of it. It either goes up or down. It doesn't stay the same. There's no static in God's love. And so what does James 4-7 uh, say? He says, submit yourself to God. Do you hear the submission of God in these words that we've talked about? Are you with me on this? You see how Scripture ties together? Come on. Earnestness, eagerness. And I think that's where we're stopping today. We're stopping with eagerness.
Okay, but you see, so he says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Do what? Resist the devil. What does that mean? It may mean Satan, get out of here. I have yelled at Satan many times in my day. And I have told this filthy, slimy, slippery serpent, you cannot and I will not allow you to make me sin. I say, no. The only problem I have is I don't say no every time. You see, the entire issue boils down to one thing. Paul says, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 1, 9, what does that say? What does 1 Corinthians 1, 9 say? Can't hear you. God is faithful what? Keep going. Who has called us to the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. Amen? Does it say the rest of that? Now, how do we experience fellowship with Jesus? By the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And what is the essence of the fellowship of the Holy Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22, is what? Love. Well, it has other words. Well, what does that mean? Love is the fruit of the Spirit. Joy is the experience. Nehemiah 8.10, to joy of the Lord is my strength. Peace is the effect. And the rest of those words are the expression of the love of God in me. That's what Satan desires to touch. That's where the essence of being a spirit-led, spirit-filled believer is. And in that regular, personal, daily, moment-by-moment identification and discernment of my relationship with God, and this is the Holy Spirit, and I speak back to God, thank you for that, yes, you know, and all that, and make it a conversation with me on a regular basis as if physically there is someone sitting next to me. That's charismatic Holy Spirit living, which then will begin to overflow in all kinds of areas, one predominant area of which is the gifts of the Spirit, because the gifts of the Spirit are to be manifesting Christ physically as He is manifested internally in me. The gifts of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit manifests physically, outwardly, what He is manifesting inwardly. And so you see the two go together. Do we see that? See you next week.